Welcome to The Fine Detectives, an art crime podcast brought to you by your co-host, Valerie. And Kelsey. And that's it today. <laughs> yep, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, we don't are our... Um, what are we whatever whatever he's called is not joining us in today's episode so you literally only get to listen to our voices did you forget austin's name and his role in our podcast i remember how bad your day is (laughs) no i remembered his name but i was trying to think of his title (laughs) like what do we call him i was gonna audio producer i was gonna call him can of soup again but oh yeah i was like well that's a joke from last week and well today he's a ghost Okay, and our ghost, our friendly ghost, Austin, who will edit this for us. Oh my gosh, speaking of ghosts, um, oh my gosh, I had so many ghost experience. I wasn't part of that ghost experience this week, but I've heard a lot of ghost tales this week. But um, back when they were creating Casper the Ghost, they also used Richie Rich's profile to create Casper the Ghost. <laughs> Did you know that? I so did If you ever wondered what Casper the Ghost looked like as a person, just like type in Richie Rich, the cartoon, and it's the literal outline. Um, when Disney and other producing companies used to do that, apparently, I just saw a Twitter thing that was like um, the Jungle Book and Christopher Robin, and it was like parallel the same because they were drawing back then, and it was just like outlined. And it was super cool, but also very trippy. I was like, what am I watching? Is this legal? <laughs> that well yeah because christopher robin and um jungle book are disney yep and richie rich and actually i don't know what casper is is that disney i think it is (laughs) (laughs) oh you got me there (laughs) wow what a zinger (laughs) we can end the podcast now because nothing will ever trump that (laughs) yeah i was gonna make a trump joke or a Trump pun, but I couldn't no, think about it on time. Don't. Okay. <laughs> if we if we do, we need to be paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how has your week been, Kelsey? It's been good. It's been busy. Um, just helped my grandmother move the other day. So that's been a whole thing. Um, but happy as well to have her closer. Yeah. Um <laughs> There's a couple of things when I was moving and I was just like, is this thrifting? Like I was looking at some of the things in her house that she was getting rid of. I'm like, I kind of want this. Is this going in the garage sale? Like, I is this thrifting or is this just like a family heirloom that I get to have? Or is it stealing? Like, do I have to pay for it, grandma? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's like essentially like, you know, my grandmother is now in a um, assistant memory facility, I think is what it's called. It's a long term care um, house for um, people who have like Alzheimer's and dementia. And whenever I do go to the farm to visit my grandfather and dad, like I always go into her closet and be like, ooh, I want this and this What and this. is it about grandmothers and mom's closets that are so up on a par because like, <laughs> in high school i had my closet and i'm like this is boring so i would mm-hmm. go to my mom's closet and i kid you not i got the most compliments when i would wear my mom's things and mm-hmm. i don't know what that means <laughs> well like you know obviously all my stuff that i would wear that wasn't mine would be my grandmother's and my favorite thing is she had this cashmere cardigan and it had um uh 
oh what are they called um shoulder pads it was gray uh-huh. aka my favorite color to wear and it was <laughs> so cute and I loved it so much I wear it all the time but I think it's she has it at the assisted li- she has it at the home she lives at now so she doesn't even know it's how valuable it is anymore (laughs) (laughs) that was a bad joke oh you're good um also this week um the golden globe nominations came out and i i don't know if anyone else was thinking this i'm just like movies happened this year (laughs) like i know a lot of tv shows happened but i was like movies and tenet isn't even on there and i thought that would be the that's the only movie that i think came out in movie theaters i mean now you know confused you now know how i feel every year i never go to the movie theater so whenever (laughs) everyone's like oh my god what are your oscar global golden globe nominees i'm like Wait, what? I haven't seen any of these movies. Like, the only movie that ever matters to me is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I have Oscar parties and all my guests get to have their own ballot and whoever gets the most uh, right predictions wins. They don't win anything. It's just like bragging rights because I can't do that. <laughs> I remember but- <laughs> one year you gave the winners um, like Easter candy. Yeah, so I got a small Easter bunny for the third place. Mm-hmm, which was me. <laughs> Easter bunny for the second place and then a large one for the first place. I don't know what people did with that. But, well, there's only you know. like three of us there, so... Um, <laughs> Last year, last year, because it wasn't COVID yet, it was February. Oh. Um, last year, um, because it wasn't COVID yet, it was February. Um, everyone came over and I got a, I did get a gift for the winner and it was like a bottle of wine and a sh- mini charcuterie board. And Ooh. yeah, that was fun. I I miss things before COVID. Like, this is probably the first Oscar party in five years that I won't be hosting. Also, it's good because I have no idea what is going to be nominated because I don't even Mm -hmm. know what movies are nominated for the Golden Globes. Yeah, earlier as you were naming them, I was like, oh, wow, that's a movie, apparently. I know (laughs) the TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely know the TV shows like The Mandalorian. I've seen that. Did I care for it? Not so much. Okay. Oh, (laughs) I only liked Baby Yoda. I did not like the plot. I didn't understand it. That's okay. Every time that I was thinking to myself, oh, when are we going to see his face? That's the episode that Pedro Pascal ripped off the mask (laughs) and showed us the face. And I'm like, oh my gosh. He has a beautiful face. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you did. It was You're my, like, it was because of me that we saw that. Have <laughs> you heard this? <laughs> have you heard the story of that one girl who's like one she's like slandering um I forgot his name. Pedro Pascal? Yeah. Slandering. Um, yeah, she's like Just slandering out of curiosity, him. What's her um name and address so I can go over and talk some stuff to I don't I don't want to give you her information. My cousin was telling me about it cuz she's a huge Pedro fan and she's a huge Mandalorian fan. And she's also like trying to claim that she called the whole plot. What? And that they stole the plot from her. What? Yeah, and like as my cousin was telling, this was weeks ago, but as my cousin was telling um, me the story, I just go, you know what? I feel like I can picture exactly what this woman looks like just by you telling me this. I was like, is she skinny? And my cousin's like, yes. And I go, is she blonde? My cousin's like, yes. And I'm like, 
well, that's all you need to know about her, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the show I'm watching, I am almost done. I swear, it's just been taking so long. It's the French show Lupin on Netflix. Also, I just read that it's one of the first Netflix shows in French that is actually like, you know, popular for the first time. So yay to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, it's the source of my story today. Because <laughs> a little segue there. It was good. Um, thank you. So today we're going to be talking about um, the necklace from Mary Antoinette that is infamously so weird, bizarre story. It's like theft. There's delusion. There's a bit of catfishing. Um, it's probably I laughed so much while researching this. So I'm excited to share it with you. And everyone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on the fence about doing this one just because there is so much history involved. But then I remembered, hey, I love history and I love this person who's in the story. So I thought, why not? Um, but yeah, this is your classic tale of your modern day catfishing and a bit oh my of God. decoy and a little it's it's it has a little bit of everything. And it's in Paris again. My last story was in Paris, so this just is Makes sense. <laughs> and then the story you were thinking about is also in Paris. So, I, I mean, Maybe, I just think I'm just going to be on a Paris rampage for a while, I guess. Well, it does have a lot of art. It does. Expensive things. Uh-huh. And lots of cheese. Oh, and wine. Love wine. Mm, yes. And coffee. Don't they like coffee there? I don't know. Maybe. I'm drinking coffee right now, so I just looked over and I saw my cup of coffee. With my <laughs> you're like the first thing that I look at is going to be in France. <laughs> the first thing that I look over, a ginger ale. I don't. It's not. That's not. Is French. it a Pierre? No. <laughs> so this theft was considered historically important due to its connection to the French Revolution and, of course, Marie Antoinette. Um, the necklace had had about 647 diamonds and weighed 2,800 carats. It was a commissioned gift by the former King Louis XV for his mistress, but he died before the necklace was finished. And then they banished the mistress from court soon after. <laughs> Makes but, sense. Yep. <laughs> they're like, we don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, this necklace is said to resemble more like chainmail than an actual piece of jewelry. And it was the most expensive jewelry made. And they're like, well, we have to give it to someone. <laughs> but um, so the mistress is banned. And this would be Mary Antoinette's father-in-law. So not her husband, but, you know, her husband's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the jewelers finally finished it in 1774. And it was the most expensive necklace, but they need to someone to take it. And only a royal could possess that much money so they propositioned mary antoinette to purchase it but she refused like five times every time they asked Um, she's (laughs) She's like like, that's hideous no i do not want a necklace that was made by my father-in-law for his mistress like and that's fair but the necklace Mm -hmm. was worth two million then and today that is 14 million dollars now damn yeah so from the beginning of the creation to the necklace to the end, it was all chaotic. And there's a lot of pieces that go into the story. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds like it's a cursed necklace. 
That's I mean, another that's, story for another time. Oh my god. Well, I mean, that's kind of what happens when you, you know, make a very expensive um, <laughs> necklace for your mistress. Exactly. You're like, this is a good idea. It's not. It's never a good idea, no. guys. It's guys like, who are out there. That, that's like love actually whenever um alan rickman gets a, a jewelry <laughs> that's what i'm imagining this whole thing is that like the jeweler is um the guy who's putting the things in and making the gift bag lovely and mm-hmm. then he's taking so long that the king just dies while doing it mm-hmm. well i was thinking this is the equivalent of like you know um your your dad gives a ring like a a promise ring to his um side piece and then after your dad dies you then try to propose to your current girlfriend with that ring it's like no Uh (laughs) so there's a lot of people places things in this story so first and for those who might not be familiar with mary antoinette or didn't watch the movie with kristen dunst mary antoinette was an austrian royal who was sent to France to be betrothed to King Louis the 16th when she was 14, and they got married when she was 18. Although this necklace and Marie Antoinette are both infamous, this is not so much about her as it is about um, this woman named Jean La Motte, or her former name, which was Jean de Valusa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the confidence. <laughs> uh. Austin, edit that out. <laughs> or just Jean, because I don't want to continue to further embarrass myself by saying it wrong. Um, Smart. <laughs> now you know how I felt last week. <laughs> I even have it, like, phonetically written out. Like, you remember when we graduated, we have to write um, our names phonetically? And I put so much concentration into that. My name is just Kelsey Shoemaker, but I did Kel, C, like the C, shoe, oh like the shoe, and then maker, because people have mispronounced my name. It's either Chelsea Schumacher, Kelsey Schumacher. And I'm like, uh-huh. no. <laughs> maker. Well, yeah, I remember in junior high, um, over the announcements, um, the principal called me Voldery Shereel. Why? <laughs> And then, ever like, it was hilarious because everyone, like, even I thought it was funny, but it's like, what is she trying to say, Voldemort? Does she really think the name <laughs> Valerie? Can't say that name. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, like, this was not the nicest principle. Like, you know, some, some people, it's like, yeah, they're amazing principles. They care about the students. But this one, what I remember I at least, was she was not principle. nice. So the phonetically is Jean or Jean de Valois. Jean de Valois. (laughs) Okay. So she was born in 1756, and she had a bit of drama royal blood. So she, her father was descended from an illegitimate son of Henry II, and that's Henry II from France, not English. Thank you. And that's from the 1500s. Well, what year is this at the moment? It's um, in the 1700s. This story takes place like 1780s. So they're literally like clinging on to yeah, whoa, like, 200 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. not even like descended royally, a legitimate bastard. Yeah. Son. So it's like, you know, John Snow. Oh, wait, but okay. <laughs> we don't speak we don't, about that. Okay. <laughs> Although she was royal, the family was poor. So 
But I doubt they give money to illegitimate families anyway, so go figure. Like, mm-hmm. I, that's kind of assumed that they, they'd probably be more poor than most people. <laughs> yeah, because people um, are like, either you're lying or yeah. um, we don't want you. <laughs> so she was born into a family um, that they were kind of con artists, so they would go on the streets and they would tell people, like, you know, we're descended from a royal, but they wouldn't say, you know, illegitimate. They would just say, we're royals of Henry II, please give us money. And it kind of <clears throat> reminds me, but they would, like, do more on it. Like, they would lie along the lines of that original truth, like, more lies than the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, like, it, swindlers. Yeah, it reminded me of another French thing, Les Miserables, where Epony and her family would beg on the streets as well. And she was kind of like that, but, you know, a little more crooked. Um, eventually, she did marry a military man named Nicolas de Lamont, and, but they were still poor. Like, even with his title and her title, they were still poor. So they mm-hmm. moved to Versailles to be closer to the French monarchy because she herself thought she was important enough to be there (laughs) so much delusion but for some reason she she really thought she could be a royal or a queen or you know just be in the court but the more she went on to this it just felt like she was becoming a stalker you know Mm -hmm. so she wanted to restore her name for her family and find a proper place in society and sure but the way she's doing it is just like kind of weird um so this entire story has the highs and lows, a mystery, intrigue, desire, and the diamond necklace in the center of it all. So um, one more person before we get back to the necklace. This guy is named Louis de Rohan. He was born in 1734 to the Rohan clan. Um, so he is charming and had some lovers. But it's in 1770, Rohan became an ambassador in Vienna, Austria, um, with the monarchy, but he was also your modern day frat boy. Like he, was, but in traditional, you know, 1770s clothing, he went to mm-hmm. parties, lots of drinkings, lots of sex, lovers, mm-hmm. and eventually all of this got wind to um, Mary Teresa, who is Mary Antoinette's mother. And Mm -hmm. they caught into it. Like, they were like, don't trust that guy. And he's like, don't trust that woman. And so in court, no one liked them. And Mary Antoinette already had her opinion made up. She's like, I don't like him. You know, Mm -hmm. he said this stuff about my mom. So, of course, I don't like you. I don't blame her. So whenever Mary Antoinette left for France, Rohan went with her to serve as a grand almoner, which was essentially officer of the French monarchy. And their tasks were more royal duties like baptisms and communions and everything like that. Um, so while Mary Antoinette was enjoying her new life in France, Rohan set sides on wanting to be a more political power, but that position he wanted was blocked due to Austrian royal family not liking him. Like, Mary Antoinette was like, no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Rohan meets someone who also doesn't prefer a certain royal, our friend Jean from earlier. So (laughs) she has- They sound like a mess. Yeah. You know how you tell one white lie and it becomes Mm -hmm. a bigger lie later? Not really. That's never actually happened to me, but I've read books and that (laughs) happens. So while Jean told Rohan that she was best friends with the queen. Of course. Yep. And she didn't think anything would probably come of it, but Rohan was like, okay, well, I'm trying to climb the political ladder. I'm seeing this as an opportunity. Will you do me a favor? (laughs) 
<laughs> and Gina's like, oh yeah, sure. So Rohan is like, um, I need to get back into her good graces. Can you get just like a good word in for me? She's like, yeah, just put it in a letter and I'll go deliver it to her. Oh he's my like, God. cool, that sounds great. So he writes a letter <laughs> and then he's like, thank you so much. And she's like, no problem. So <laughs> that's exactly like, well, no, I'm just kidding. And then she takes the letter but then she writes back and gives it to him. She's pretending to be the queen as well as the queen's best friend. Oh my god. And so <laughs> This, this woman's is, desperate. Yeah, this feel is bad like the seventeen seventies equivalent of catfishing. This is mm-hmm. literally catfishing. It um, is. No. Kinda, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say now wait until you ask for photos. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, getting there. So the letters contained um, just Rohan wanting to be a better person, and it just went on for a while. And then some historians say it got a little flirty, but one day he's like, okay, can we meet in person? Like, I just, you know, we have to do something in person. And so she knows her husband is having an affair, Nicholas from earlier. Mm-hmm. But instead of getting mad, she's like, can I borrow your mistress to pretend to be the queen? Oh, my God. Because they did have striking similarities. But even still, she's like, can I just borrow her for a few minutes? I'll give her back to you. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I, she won't <laughs> fall in love with me. I promise. Yeah, no problem. It's um, French, so. <laughs> so on August 12th, yep. The, na- the date, um, Rohan comes to the gardens for like a little clandestine meeting and someone appears with a letter who looks similar to the queen but is not. She gives Rohan a letter and then leaves. And then Rohan 100% believes this was the queen. And for the next few months, they start... Um, in letters, um, Jean, who's pretending to be the queen, starts mi- asking for money. Just like, I want to help the poor. Can you just give a few donations to help the poor? And Rohan's like, sure, don't worry about it. And these all come out like, they're, these are like in 400000 60000 like a lot of money. Oh and Jean is using this to buy a new home. <laughs> uh, Wait, can like, I tell you what this reminds me of? sure uh do you remember the episode of catfish when the guy um like they do the re like uh image search and they find out that the woman who's catfishing this guy or person catfishing this guy is using the image of a porn star and then it goes i'm dating a porn star (laughs) everyone's like like, no (laughs) i'm sorry it's just like as you're talking i'm like this is I can't get this image out of my head. (laughs) Um, So she bought a new house, which I'm a fan of. She's using, she's manipulating, but she's Mm -hmm. like using it for her advantage, which I know is like looked bad upon, but I'm like, she's like, she's smart, you know? I mean, he's a frat boy, essentially. Like, of course. Don't hold back, girl. She was also using the money to get back in society because she's like, well, I have this much money. Can I come back? And they're like, you can be like the bottom tier. And she's like, that's Mm -hmm. fine. Uh, for now so you're probably all wondering like okay the necklace what about it um so that was just a lot of background information and the characters revolving around the story so when and during this time the jeweler who made the necklace originally keeps going up to Marie Antoinette like asking her do you want it now and she's like I don't want it ever like 
go away. But the jewelry keeps coming back. And eventually, Jean heard about the necklace. And she's like, I would love that. Um, So she messages her good friend Rohan to get it for her. And Rohan is like, still thinking it's the queen. He has a new job to be responsible for this transaction. So it happens. (laughs) Rohan bought it for 1.6 million pounds. God. Different payments. Um, The original purchase, I think, was 1440 pounds. And then Jean tells Rohan to send the necklace to her address, the Lamott house. (laughs) And so Rohan arrives at the Lamott residence. And and then she accepts the necklace, you know, on behalf of the queen. Because she's like, I'm her best friend. I'll just give it to her. Don't worry. And Jean is like, this is going to make the queen so happy. She will like you again. Don't worry about it. And then Rohan leaves. Man, this but, guy doesn't do like any research on people. Like he's and, he's yeah, sorry. Nicholas also leaves and takes the necklace to Paris to break it down and sells it for about 240,000 pounds. And you're probably wondering, well, we just got told it was like 1.6 million pounds, but a lot of historians think that he went to different jewelers to break it down, so $240,000 could be like at different locations. Mhm. So like it's gone. <laughs> yeah. And also people think that he pocketed some of it just to use later. So we don't really know the exact information on that. Mm-hmm. But back in Versailles on August 5th, <laughs> everyone that was part of that transaction, the jewelers, Rohan, they start to realize, you know, the queen isn't wearing the necklace in court, the one that she just spent a lot of money on. And so they confront her. And Mary Antoinette is so confused. She... She's like considering, you know, what are they talking about? I don't have a best friend. I don't have a necklace. I don't know what transaction you're talking about. She's fairly frustrated. So on August 6th, Rohan was arrested literally for being an idiot. And they, oh my did, God. It. they did it in public. But they already suspected that he was, you know, kind of going behind their back. But this, this was <laughs> the icing on the cake. <laughs> he was arrested... And he had to do a forced apology, but they still publicly arrested him for being part of this crime. Another thing is that he, he, while before he was about to be arrested, he told his servant, you know, I have documents in Paris, go burn them, do it as fast as you can. And the servant took that literally. He wrote to Paris as fast as he could. The horse died before they got to Paris. So they could never burn the documents. Oh, my God. These poor people. Yeah. Well, not that poor, but... And speaking of burning documents, Jean also has a great idea to do it as well before the Cardinal and the Queen arrest her. So that way, she doesn't have proof. Meanwhile, you know, Rohan didn't get to burn his. So he's a little (laughs) smarter now. She was arrested the following day, and they were both sent to the cells to wait trial in the Bastille. Um, So... The investigation ensues and the trial begins in January, but it lasted for months. And just to spare some details, the trial was basically both of them blaming each other with elaborate stories. But Jean's story had more holes than Rohan, making her the more guilty character. But the public and the French people, they were kind of sympathizing with her and thought that she was a little bit manipulated by Rohan when that wasn't really the case. But they're like, oh, poor girl. (laughs) 
yeah, poor, poor girl. She was poor. Um, <laughs> Literally. One clue during this investigation was that Jean was signing the letters with Mary's first name, which was not tradition. Mary Antoinette would have just signed it, you know, your royal Mary Antoinette or whatever the royal title was, not Marie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she has Rokan, class. the ambassador, should have caught on to that immediately, but he did not. Um, so Jean was sentenced to whipping, branding, and imprisonment. Um, so the publicly actually saw her as innocent, like I said. But meanwhile, Rohan was sentenced to just an apology to the queen. That's it. Okay. That's, and he, he was resigned do, from all his do roles. It. He was resigned from all his roles. And then in the 1770s, that was like the version of a restraining order. Like he wasn't not meant to go to France or Versailles if the royal French family was there. Wow. <laughs> Talk about a punishment. I know. You can't be in the same country as me. <laughs> Man, that sounds great. If only um, restraining orders worked that well. <laughs> And then later, Jean was in prison, but she dressed up as a boy to escape prison, and that worked. Of course it did. <laughs> because but a lot of people think that, you know, she wasn't the most important person of this story, and she was not also, like, a legitimate heir, and no one cared to find her. And I think that's how she got away, is, like, no one even tried to find her. Yeah, she's a woman. Like, what in general? What is and she going to be able to now, do? Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What is it that she can do? Nothing. No, she but- can't own land. Like, what is she going to do? Like, try to like become start at Versailles at the stables and work her way up and kill Marie Antoinette. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but kudos to her creativity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But after this, like. It's, it feels so modern, but this happened in the 1770s. Everyone who was kind of part of this wrote their own memoir at the time. Mm-hmm. And Jean's was the most accurate. <laughs> and that's where a wow. lot of this information is from, actually. Writing your own memoir back then is the modern day starting your own podcast. Exactly. <laughs> So all of this was chaotic, but like just like today, people began to create conspiracies and people thought the queen was in on it the whole time. They were like, well, it is a necklace and Marie Antoinette was notorious for enjoying the luxuries of the court and the necklace was the definition of luxury. Who Like, who wouldn't want it? And so they knew she didn't like Rohan either. Like, would it be too far off if she just penned this all on him and got away with the necklace? Yes. And yes, then, it would be. Because <laughs> she hated everyone at court in general because they hated her because she was an outsider. Yeah. You the know? French people were not big fans of Marie. Um, and this was the first, not, this was kind of the catalyst of them losing faith, like, in her. They believed the rumors and also the state of French economics were already plummeting at the time when she arrived in France when she was 14. But mm-hmm. due to her excessive partying, gambling, expensive, they blamed it all on her. Like, they're like, the reason our country is failing economically is because of this teenager. Which, but it's not at no, all. Like, like, they already had their problems first, and then somebody came in, they're like, perfect, she's using our money. Which is bad, mm-hmm. but, you know, it wasn't her fault. 
And I don't think she was using the money to the extent that, you know, the French people are saying they just wanted to hate her more and were making yeah. up things because she never said let them eat cake. No. <laughs> so it's just like, what can we do to hate on her more? Mm. It's it's the modern day cancel culture before you even do anything wrong. This is like, modern like I back said, then. this is such a modern, <laughs> it feels like a modern retelling, but actually, really you does. know. Um, but... Mary Antoinette was, of course, imprisoned by the French later on, and she was beheaded. Um, but there's tons of researches on this books, documentaries about the French Revolution, the rise and fall of Mary Antoinette specifically. But um, so if anyone wants to research that, you can. But this is not going into that at all. Maybe later, <laughs> but not right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the entirety of Marie Antoinette could be her, uh, like, a series yeah. itself. Like, she's crazy well she's not crazy but everything that happens to her is just like insane <laughs> and that is the necklace um theft of mary internet it's called the affair of the um the necklace um and this was a great theft and it was considered to be one of the most expensive pieces of jewelry stolen at the time as well as one of the most notable due to who possessed it originally um the theft and fraud was annotated in a novel by Alexandre Dumas, The Queen's Necklace, which heightened the news around it more. After that, Maurice LeBlanc wrote a volume of comic books about it. And there was... Comic there was a, books. <laughs> and there was a movie about it called The Affair of the Necklace with Hilary Swank. She plays Jean, but she also has a horrible French accent. Um... And also recently, it was in featured in the Met Gala and the scene Ocean's Eight, and most, oh. more most recently, it was the center of the first episode of Netflix's show Lupin, and that is the story of Mary Antoinette's necklace. Wow, that was thrilling! Because <laughs> oh my gosh, I've and like during that, I was like, I feel like I've heard this story before, and I know I have, and it's like still it's just like. How? How did any of this all happen? It's just insane. I know. Like, it feels like it's it's a made-up story just because it's so insane, but it's not. And that's incredible. Like, the thing that gets me the most is, like, why didn't that guy, like, one... She hates you. And I'm assuming in court, she's just as mean to him. Like, is there somewhere in one of the letters that, like, um, Jean writes, like, oh, and if I'm mean to you in court, it's because I can't let others know. I don't know. Like, is he just not that bright and can't figure it out or? So crazy. And I, like, I knew some of it, but then I started doing research. I'm like, are you serious? Like, she actually hired her um, husband's uh, mistress to stand mm -hmm. in for um, catfishing? <laughs> and, like, back then, it's not like, you know, it's not like where we can, like, Snapchat each other and be like, show me a picture of what you look like right now. It's. The only thing that I really have to go on is how oh, I've seen you in court and the paintings that I've seen. Because I can just assume they probably used a low lighting and like, keep your distance. I'm a married woman and you're a scandalous man. Like, there had to have been like stuff that yeah. he wouldn't be able to see her that well. Yeah, it was dark. And mm -hmm. she wore, she, um... Someone said that she had a fan that was covering her face as well. And, and that they, wasn't suspicious? And they powdered her <laughs> face a lot to make her look um, mistaken. Paler. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, some men just, they want to be fooled, I guess. I guess. That was, that was thrilling. I loved it. Thank you, Kelsey. Yeah. Um, hopefully, like, this is the last French one I do for a while. I keep butchering <laughs> names, even though I do it phonetically, but maybe I'll do a United States one. Something yeah. more closer Do to something home. like in Dadaism. Okay, I'll try. I don't know. That's the first thing that I could think of. Do something Mad Men style. Ooh. I haven't watched that show, but... Bye. I've seen bits of it. Like, I mean, like, you know, six, 50s? 50s or 60s? I think... I don't know. I'm so bad with my decades. Hmm. I know Mrs. Um, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is probably... Is that, that's in the 60s, right? I or think the- so. I don't know. <laughs> well, what was like, what was something that you learned that was just absolutely insane that you couldn't believe happened? Um, I guess for me, because I like history, um, the most surprising thing, and I know it's so subtle, but the fact that he was close to Mary Antoinette and didn't suspect anything. And then also in the letters, it was just signed Marie. And mm-hmm. I I know royal title, so it's just like you you have to sign that with your name. So that mm-hmm. there'd also the be the royal clue. seal. Yeah, I think for me it was just that fact that she was related to Henry the Second, and their family was like trying to milk it. I know, like. At least it's just like one of those things where like literally in the last 200 years, your family has not let it go. That's like that's like modern day, like someone in our family have being, you know, related to George Washington and being but like people Whoa. do that. I, I used to have a friend who was um, uh, like somehow related to Queen Elizabeth the first. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how? And also, like, is it, it like after a few years, even though you're like, you know, an American, like, mm-hmm. how does that, how does that, is that important anymore? Mm-hmm. I guess it's like it's one a of those bragging right thing, but mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to like be able to say like, yeah, like distantly I'm related, but it literally has no pull, like, and it's so distant. Like, <laughs> is it? Are you like a bastard child yeah. in some way deep down? Which, I mean, that's not great. Are you related to anyone famous-ish? Um, I'm related to um, George Bush somehow, some way. That's all yeah. I know. I'm trying to think. Is there like actually someone interesting? I mean, my family doesn't really didn't really talk about that. It wasn't, you know, important. <laughs> I remember, like, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side, he's adopted, and, like, up until, like, his parents' death, like, they never told him who his real parents are, and, like, I remember, like, whenever I was a teenager, I was, like, creating this conspiracy of, like, oh, my God, he has to be, like, his parent has to be, like, someone famous and all these other things, when in reality, it's probably something really simple, like, you know, a someone within their family you know had a child out of wedlock and they were like we'll take care of the child for you type of thing yeah 
I'm a, I'm adopted, but I always and I don't know who my dad is, but I I keep having this thing idea that maybe it's a Mamma Mia situation and there's three <laughs> guys and I'll never mm-hmm. know for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. You just won't know all of your medical history. Yeah. I won't I won't know if I'll have um a weird skin thing on my face in 50 years maybe. <laughs> No, who knows? Maybe you'll just lose your nose magically. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll just fall off and it'll just mm-hmm. be a joke. <laughs> it already is. Not that your not your nose is a joke, oh, but you thanks. know, I took your nose. That's that's the joke. Now you have a beautiful gone. nose. Thank you. I once got told I have the perfect nose, but that was when I was like eight, and maybe I just grew out of that. That's a really weird compliment. It is, but I embraced it. I'm like. Thank you, because it was just so out there. I'm like, I haven't been mm-hmm. complimented on that before. Have you ever just been complimented on something and you're like, thanks? I mean, growing up, everyone complimented my hair and like strangers would touch my hair. And like, I remember even it even has happened a few times as an adult, like women will come up and start touching my hair and it's so uncomfortable. And it's like, why are you touching me right now? I don't know you. And they're like, your hair is so beautiful. And it's, it's creepy. Like, People don't. Just don't come close to us. It is also social distancing right now. So uh-huh. I'm well, in general, if you come that. up and touch my hair, I'm going to be like, how did you get into my apartment? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not leaving. So you have to leave. <laughs> I am calling the police right now. <laughs> Well, Valerie, what are you doing this next week? What are you looking forward to? Or what did you think was beautiful from the week before? This week? I mean, this week I am trying to figure out what my story is to tell you. Oh, (laughs) You know, with like literally never leaving your house, there's not much to look forward to in general. Um, So... I don't know what I'm looking forward to because we just finished Disenchantment, the TV show. So now, like, we have to find another TV show to watch, like a new one, not a rerun of all the same five TV shows we watch over and over Mm -hmm. again. Um, But last week, some of the happy things that occurred to me were, one, it was Fabio's gotcha day slash birthday. It was on Friday. So, um which is weird. On Friday, I ordered him his presents and they actually came in the next day. So shout out to Chewy for <laughs> literally nice. having the best um, shipment. And so he liked that. And then um, so I got myself a fancy new chair and I gave um, Callie, my cat, my old chair and I rolled it up up against the window in um, our bedroom. And so like every day, you know, I open up like I ring up the curtains or blinds and I open the curtains and she has like the perfect sunbathing looking out spot and she's obsessed with it. Um, And then lastly of the beautiful things. So I have been following a bunch of, you know, plus sized um, Instagrammers, which has done like wonders for both like, um, you know, my confidence in my body, just seeing like following people who either have bodies similar to mine or more diverse body shapes and 
um, skin tones. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like I was only following like these super skinny people and it's like, well, I can't buy these clothes that you're telling me to buy. Not that I'm buying clothes. And so it's just been really great to see like so many different sizes and this one thing, this, I will promise I will get off my soapbox, (laughs) but this one person that I follow on Instagram, she was like promoting, um, a lot of, I think she's promoting a lot of, um, black Instagrammers that she follows. But again, all of the people that she's promoting have the exact same extra small body type as her. And it's, And then I started thinking about how, like, you know, whenever other people, I the skinnier um, people that I follow or straight size people, they always show the same people who have their exact same body shapes. And I it's frustrating because it's, you know, me thinking, oh, my God, like, why can't you guys show more diversity? Because I can see you're trying by like advertising or showing off people who have different skin colors, but there's more to there's more you need to do to get better. And so I hope they start doing that soon just because you can't become more um, diverse or more um, socially aware if the people you're following are the same size and same race as you. Exactly. Yeah. So Kelsey, yes. what are some of your happy things and beautiful things that are and will be happening to you? Um. I guess what this last week, what I thought was beautiful was, I guess, just the gratitude that I thought about of what I'm getting and then also what I'm receiving and sending. And also I saw um, like my cousin and then this weekend my grandmother. And I think just the simple things like, you know, seeing other people and then seeing other people smile was really mm-hmm. things that you don't take for granted. Especially now. Yeah. And then I guess what I'm looking forward to this next week is starting a new journey, career rise. Ooh. And also, I guess my little hobby with my candles, I was not expecting to go out of stock and I did. So this week I'm like resetting all my inventory. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Cause I didn't think I'd do that for like a month and I'm mm-hmm. already doing that. So I'm like, yay, I get to update some stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. And I also have a few more sprinkled ideas for my week, like finishing a book, um, working on other things on the side. So, uh, it's going to be good. I'm excited. That sounds awesome. How many candles have you sold so far? Do you know? Um, I think about 20. Dang, that is amazing. Yeah, one week. And then one I, week I went out of stock. So that's fun. I, <laughs> yeah. So are you now going to just start making more Yeah. on top of like your original plan? Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'll probably just um also make as I go, but also make, um, before I sell just to have Mm -hmm. things that I already have. Thank you so much for listening to the Fine Detectives. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and on Facebook at the Fine Detectives and on Twitter at 
Find detectives. Know thee for the Twitter. Know thee. Uh, <laughs> you can also find all the links to all of our sources at our website, thefinddetectives.com. If you have any fun art stories, please email them to us at thefinddetectives at gmail.com. And lastly, if you love this episode, please rate, leave a comment, and tell all of your friends about it. And remember, don't touch what's not yours. Bye. Bye.